the I think the biggest challenge in being a good writer is being a good listener and a good reader. And I spent a lot of time uh, in children's libraries sitting on the floor with books all over the floor <laughs> and trying to get that voice, trying to get the voice that so I could speak to children. I have four kids of my own, but they're grown up now. So I wanted to recapture that voice. And then I spent a great amount of time, Dan, listening. And there's, you know, it sounds cliche and trite, but there's so much power in listening. And the stories, again, the stories that I heard from these pediatric cancer kids are frankly amazing. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, the inbound evangelist himself, Dan Moyle. And welcome to the Storytellers Network podcast. I'm so glad that you are joining us today because in this episode, we talk with children's book author, Joe Dean. Now, Joe is actually also the founder of the Milwaukee area Stars and Stripes Honor Flight, which is where our story begins. Uh, Joe actually helped the founding board of Talons Out Honor Flight get started, which I was a small part of. So now Joe is selflessly using his storytelling gift to raise money for pediatric cancer research with sales of his book, My Dog Named Hope, A Special Girl, Her Amazing Dog and One Family's Journey Through Childhood Cancer. So My Dog Named Hope. It's a great children's book and a wonderful effort as you'll hear about coming up. And today, Joe Dean shares with the Storytellers Network his story. Now, before we get into today's conversation, just a quick reminder to find us online at thestorytellersnetwork.com for more episodes, how to contact us, and for other resources to help you tell your story. And if you like what we're doing here, please consider leaving us a review. All those reviews help us reach new storytellers. Thank you to Podcast Pilot and Casterly for supporting this podcast. If you want experts on a podcast world like how to start your very own show, Talk to the teams headed up by the legendary Jamie J and Sarah Parrish. Now, let's get to the stories. So, Joe, thanks for joining us. It is, as I said in the intro, a pleasure to have you here, man. Dan, it's uh, awesome to be with you again. Thanks for everything you've done in the community and really uh, for all of the veteran community as well. It's good to be talking with you again. Well, I'll tell you, man, it's a, it's a, it's an honor to do that. As you know, um, it's been a quite a blessed few years for me to be a part of that honor flight world. And uh, which one of the blessings is talking to you. So, but just yeah. in general, man, what a, what a great, what a great thing, isn't it? I love it. Yeah. It's uh, it's humbling. Mm-hmm. It's an understatement hanging mm-hmm. out with the the selfless people from Honor Flight, you know, all of the veteran community. It's just amazing. And I'm glad, uh, you know, we caught a wave. I think we got it just in time, especially with the World War II generation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, beautiful stuff. Um, so one of the things on the Storytellers Network that I like to start with is the idea that a storyteller can be anywhere in the world and do what, what we do. So as a writer yourself now, as a published author, as a storyteller, where are you in the world geographically? Geographically, I am sitting in a beautiful home office overlooking a creek and some woods, and I'm in Port Washington, Wisconsin, the home of Stars and Stripes Honor Flight, by the way. Absolutely. And not too far from Milwaukee, right? Uh, about 30 miles north of Milwaukee. 
Yeah. So just proof that you don't have to be, you know, as a theater, everybody wants to go to New York City or movies, they go to LA, right? Or Hollywood. We can be storytellers oh, anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, we're at the center of the universe here in Port Washington, Wisconsin. Are you kidding? <laughs> I know it. I love it. I love it. So yeah. when I when I hit you up to ask you about being on the Storytellers Network, did it surprise you that I see you as a storyteller or do you consider yourself one? I guess it surprised me that you saw it, but I guess you're an intuitive guy because I've always considered myself a storyteller since I was uh, one of eight kids before all this crazy technology and cell phones and Xboxes and we had three channels on TV. I'm not that old, but old enough. And uh, <laughs> heck, we entertained ourselves through long drives across the country by telling stories and listening to my parents' stories. And then my peer group, you know, it was all about storytelling. And, and I think I think that goes back into ancient history, actually. What do you think it is about telling stories that we love as storytellers? I mean, I, we'll get to why we love them as listeners or as as viewers, but what is it that moves you about telling stories, Joe? You know, what's interesting, Dan, that's a great question. I, I'm a retired IBMer, and toward the end of my career, they used to have a three-day class on storytelling at IBM. And the reason was, um, I think, it rather than feature function benefit when you're in a sales cycle and the same old thing, human beings just love stories. And uh, so, so they actually went into training, you know, professional long-term salespeople in how to tell stories. They thought it was so powerful, but I think it touches a nerve with all of us. Um, I know I've been involved in a number of fundraisers beyond honor flight. And uh, we always talk about, you know, the first, the first order of business in fundraising is first you tell a story because you've got to touch people's hearts. Um, and they've got to believe in the mission. And in fact, Steve jobs at Apple, when we were recruiting board members, we thought about one of the things Steve Jobs talked about. He said, you know, table stakes is that they're talented if we want to hire them or partner with them. But um, first, they have to fall in love with Apple. You know, that was that was what made them either be business partners or great customers or employees. First, they had to fall in love with Apple. And I think it's the same way with a number of causes that you're interested in. And obviously that I'm interested in now with pediatric cancer is... Uh, they have to understand what's at stake here. And I think the best way to do that is through telling stories. Mm, absolutely. So you mentioned Honor Flight, you mentioned pediatric cancer. So how does uh, one, how do, how do you, how did you uh, go from Honor Flight, helping World War II veterans, Korean War veterans, helping veterans to become an advocate for childhood cancer research, for pediatric cancer research? So this was a, a multiple year journey, but I'll tell you the the genesis of it was that the same um, characteristics and traits I saw in the greatest generation and now the Korean War veterans and, of course, Vietnam veterans, those same characteristics, things like faith, courage, optimism, selflessness, um, I saw in honor flight, of course, but now I see it in what I call the honor fight, F-I-G-H-T. Oh, I and love in that. These sweet, yeah, these sweet and awesome tenacious kids and their families to a large extent, but faith, courage, optimism, selflessness, sense of humor, uh, never giving up that, that I was so thrilled to discover in the pediatric cancer community as well. And, uh, in my role in the United States Senate, I met many of these kids. And honestly, I, you want to talk about stories. I met so many, um, foundation presidents are typically a mother 
sometimes the father, but always a parent, it seems like, that had lost a child to cancer. And now they've dedicated their lives to trying to be sure this never happens to any other families again. Hmm. That's incredible. I love, I'm just kind of thinking about that from honor flight to honor fight. What a, what a great way to put that, Joe. That's a, that's an incredible mission you've got there. Well, thanks. And, and you know, um, one of the other common themes moving from honor flight to children's book author with my dog named hope and, and pediatric cancer advocate is, and you'll understand this fully is, you know, like when we thought about, at least for me, when I thought about World War II, when I was in high school, I studied dates and I passed tests and all of that. And here I am in a household being raised by a father who was a World War II hero who never talked about it. But World War II was this big event in in the life of, in the history of the world, but it was almost too big to comprehend until you start hearing individual veteran stories. And it's the same way with pediatric cancer. People think that must be terrible. And then the parents start telling you the stories of what they've gone through and what their kids have gone through. And uh, it breaks your heart and it brings it right home, just as the veteran stories did. That this, And then it becomes personal. And once it becomes personal, you know, what are you supposed to do as a human being except respond and try to make it better? Mm. And that's and that's what ties us to stories. Is it's that emotional that that almost visceral uh connection to others so i think i think that's great joe when did you realize that that you had that gift of storytelling that you could use it for good for others well i would say i'm still learning hopefully always always learning about that but you know with the first the very i remember our very first honor flight uh, presentation. I think it was to a Lions Club. It might have been the Kiwanis at a small supper club in Wisconsin. And uh, all I did was get up and start telling some of these stories of the veterans that we were trying to help. And I looked out into the audience and realized people were crying. And afterwards, they passed the hat and we raised a couple hundred dollars. And I couldn't leave because there was a line coming up to me with people saying, hey, that's my grandfather's story or my mom served in world war two and you just told her story. And, you know, my uncle did that. And so all we have this common history and, um, I just, I guess I just began to intuit that the way to do this again, not talk about big world war two or the big you know conflicts in the middle East and, you know, ob- the obvious selflessness of our veterans, but to begin to share individual stories and you as a friend have heard some of those stories, Joe Demler, you know, he weighed 68 pounds when he was liberated from a Nazi prison camp, took a deferment to join the army when he was 17 years old. He was a strapping track athlete at Port Washington High School. And now if uh, if your listeners Google Life Magazine and the Human Skeleton, they'll see a picture of Joe on the day he was rescued at 68 pounds. Hmm. Uh, so I think it's those types of stories that bring it home. I had a colleague in the U.S. Senate, Jason Church. He served in the Middle East. Uh, he lost both of his legs to an IED explosion, saving his his unit. He was the NCAA athlete of the year as a fullback. And he told me that as he was lying there, bleeding out, literally bleeding out, and the, the lowest ranking member in his unit came running up under fire, put two tourniquets on him, and he was going to lose both of his legs. And he said, I looked down the legs that I had stood upon and as an athlete run upon for 25 years were gone. And he said, you know, the, the strangest thing, Joe, this calm came over me and I realized that God had given me a new platform to stand on. Hmm. 
And now, now Jason goes around to high schools and talks to kids about service and sacrifice and not sweating the small stuff and keeping things in perspective and never giving up. And, you know, that's a whole different way of talking about veterans in the war. That that's the power to me of stories. Um, and of course, you know, they're true and they're personal and, uh, people can get behind them and relate to their own family members. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good stuff, Joe. As you went from that honor flight world into the pediatric cancer journey, did you find any big challenges with actually having to write a story rather than tell it, you know, as you, as you address crowds talking about honor flight, that seems to be one skill set. Well, is there a different challenge in, in becoming a writer as well? Well, there, there is it's the same challenge in being a human being, especially a type A one like me with <laughs> driven personality <laughs> and finishing people's sentences for them. You know, um, the, I think the biggest challenge in being a good writer is being a good listener and a good reader. And I spent a lot of time uh, in children's libraries sitting on the floor with books all over the floor <laughs> and trying to get that voice, trying to get the voice that, so I could speak to children. I have four kids of my own, but they're grown up now. So I wanted to recapture that voice. And then I spent a great amount of time, Dan, listening. And there's, you know, it sounds cliche and trite, but there's so much power in listening. And the stories, again, the stories that I heard from these pediatric cancer kids are frankly amazing. One of them I met, the book is dedicated to Emma Paulson. She started a charity. So she was diagnosed with leukemia. And rather than thinking of herself, she discovered that her path to healing would be focusing her life on other people. She was all of, I think, 14 years old at the time. She started a charity a patient helping patients where she got donated gift baskets and built these gift baskets and went around children's hospital giving uh, gifts out to other kids. There was a story as I listened to one father, uh, he was telling me about the day that a package was delivered to his front door. And, you know, again, here I am, Dan, I'm thinking, wow, it must be terrible to have, you know, a kid with cancer. That must just be unbelievable, but it's almost too big. And then this father tells me, well, let me just share with you what happened last Saturday. And he gets this package from at the front door and he goes out to his garage and he's loading the package into the refrigerator. He looks across the street and uh, his neighbor is loading light beer into his refrigerator. And he looks down at the package in his hands and it has the international symbol for poison on it. And he realizes that he's going to administer this drug, this chemotherapy drug to his daughter, his little girl, the very next day. And and as you know, Dan, I mean, it's these stories that begin to bring home for you the sense of urgency. Seven kids dying every single day in our country from pediatric cancer. And it's stories like that that just really bring it home. Probably, if I may, I've got one more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I have two more. Um, good friend of mine, uh, a Marine, his daughter uh, was diagnosed with cancer and she pouted her lips and said, well, now can I get a kitten? <laughs> you know, only out of a little kid, right? And oh, so out of the cat, they wrote a beautiful story in a book about it called Mutual Rescue. And, um, and, and they wrote this book and they kept the kitten, but unfortunately they lost their daughter. Mm. Their daughter died to uh, pediatric cancer. And um, I guess I'll just share one more with you in the interest of time. But one of the most poignant moments for me was the story of a single father 
was in a in the hospital and the doctor came in to give them the worst news any parent can imagine and that was that um their child had a rare form of cancer and this little girl looks up to her father and she says i'm so sorry daddy mm. Because, again, she was thinking of him and how it would break his heart, not thinking of her and what this meant in her life, but just selflessly reaching out intuitively saying, this is going to be really hard for my dad. I mean, just incredible. Uh, Again, back to the honor flight, the same kind of characteristic selflessness you and I witnessed in the veteran community. I'm seeing again and again and again in the families and kids in in the fight of their lives in the pediatric cancer community. And you do such a nice job of capturing that in My Dog Named Hope with with Lauren Kerwick's illustrations. The two of you just tell such a beautiful story and, and capture so much of that. So uh, kudos to both of you on that one. Well, thanks, Dan. And Lauren's amazing. Lauren is the uh, president of Designing Dreams. It's a board that I volunteer on and uh, we do uh, healing spaces for kids. So we convert their bedrooms and basements and play spaces into things like the flight deck for uh, Star Wars or into superhero (laughs) rooms or hockey ranks, you know, whatever the kids want, essentially all through privately raised funds. And when I say we do that, I kind of, I kind of unload the truck. (laughs) All the, uh, the group, the group of millennials that'll give you a lot of faith in the future of this country who, um, who do, who do that work for designing dreams. And then Lauren Kierwick, the, is the illustrator. She's also president of Designing Dreams. And Dan, when I called her looking for an illustrator, and that's a whole nother story, but uh, <laughs> she said, well, you realize I just got accepted to the medical college in Wisconsin, and my dream is to be a pediatric oncologist. So the stars really lined up on that one, and she did all the work free. All of this is 100% volunteer, both from Lauren and myself, yeah. uh, with the and underwritten by the We Energies Foundation so that 100% of the proceeds can go to kids uh, battling cancer. Completely worth it. I, I bought my copy, loved the book, loved the, the the mission of it. The fact that every single dollar of that goes to that is just wonderful. So yeah, that's cool. I encourage thank all the you, listeners then. to go do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, thank you. And thanks to your listeners in advance. If they haven't yet, it's available on Amazon and at mydognamedhope.com. But already since this has come out, and this is just a grassroots effort, which is often the best kind. Um, we just wrote a check for $10,000 to the MAC Fund, Midwest Athletes Against Childhood Cancer, for pediatric cancer research. And in a few days, we're going to write another $10,000 check from proceeds to uh, Designing Dreams. And uh, we hope to just continue that well into the new year. Awesome. Well, may, may God continue to bless that, that journey. Um, Thank you. How do you, so as, as I'm listening to you tell me these stories, that, that um, oral uh, tradition is so powerful, but how do you think media across the years affects storytelling? Well, in some ways, I think it's worse because uh, you have to get people's attention in a 10 second soundbite in, for example, in social media or uh, not to, you know, I have a lot of faith in next gen kids or young people, but I do think that you know they've been raised in a world where the attention span you know, you better capture their attention very quickly so the richness <laughs> of stories i think we've lost something there on the other hand i couldn't i couldn't be as successful thank god as we've been with my dog named hope without social media um mm. you know i literally have access to over 10,000 people following friends and so on uh through social media and 
Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and then through email. And, uh, and obviously with Amazon, I've been able to run my own little, you know, little fortune 100 or <laughs> 10,000, whatever it is here, you know, out of Port Washington, Wisconsin. Um, so all of that is lined up to uh, make, make sharing stories easier. I'm not sure technology has helped to make the depth of the stories or the richness of it better. And in fact, one of the decisions we need to still make and haven't yet is uh, whether there's going to be an ebook version of this. We really like the tactile elements of my dog named Hope, that it's a children's book with a hardcover with pages. Mm-hmm. Mother, father can sit down with their kids. The book was vetted by the medical community so that we hit it just spot on. We wanted to be sure that as as families or teachers read this with their kids, um, you know, that the messages were were solid. So it's a realistic book, but also uh, optimistic. And I won't tell you how it ends because that would be, that would spoil it. <laughs> but well worth it. Um, do, uh, as a storyteller, as a writer in particular, as we're talking to writers this season on the Storytellers Network, do you have an inspiration, a muse, as it were? You mean as in a particular person or in terms of methodology? You know, any, I'm wide open on this one. I like to hear if people, you know, I, I really have to get into my room and light my candles and do this or, you know, gosh, I'm yeah. inspired by so-and-so. Yeah. Any, any, any kind of inspiration you have, I, I like to share that with the listeners a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, a couple of things. So um, I don't necessarily wear my faith on my sleeve. I think that's a deeply personal thing, but I'm a person of faith. And uh, so I'm also a runner. And uh, when I go out for long, long runs, especially as I get older, Dan, it hurts more. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do. I want to do something else with my mind to take my to take it off the pain. And I find myself often out in the middle of the woods on a long run, the endorphins flown, and I just pray about purpose and uh, you know what I might do with the remaining chapters in my life. Obviously, being exposed to the greatest generation uh, helps there. And uh, on one of those long runs, it was a prayerful run. I came back and I saw a uh, session, almost like a TED Talk by Pastor Andrew Stanley. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, North Point Church. Mm. But he he said when uh, the number one question you can ask yourself when you're thinking about next steps and purpose is uh, what breaks your heart. And he said a lot of people set New Year's resolutions to lose weight or get fit or eat better. But we really should be asking ourselves, what breaks your heart? And then go work on that. And for me, that answer was incredibly easy. The cure rates for childhood cancer have, in many cases, gone well over 80%, which is awesome. But what breaks my heart is the 20%. Uh, you know, for, for those parents and for those kids, that's 100% horrible. Mm-hmm. And so there's a bunch of people in this world working with an incredible sense of urgency to try to uh, help these kids. And every two minutes in our world, a child is diagnosed with cancer. That's that's like saying that every school day, 36 classrooms full of kids are diagnosed with cancer. So a lot of work to do. My inspiration comes from my faith and from, from my running. Those are incredible stats to think about. And, and I love the question that the pastor asked about what breaks your heart. That's, I hope that people start to ask themselves that if you're after hearing this. So that's, that's a great bit, Joe. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, What's um, what, when you think of a, a best story example, one, you know, one of your favorite stories or just a most impactful, what is one word that you would use to describe that kind of a best story? 
I think authenticity. Mm. Um, I, I love authentic people. Um, my heart goes out to broken people, which is everybody I've ever met. <laughs> mm. Right. Amen. I was always, I was kind of the kid that bought home the puppy. Um, <laughs> so I, um, I think people who are authentic just inspire me to, to no end. Um, so when I hear an authentic story, uh, whether it's told well or told poorly, but if it's from the heart and it's authentic, uh, I'm really drawn to that. And uh, I'm working on getting better at that myself. And I'm working on writing uh, that way as well, writing from the heart. That's good. Authentic. I like that. So are you still, are you writing currently? Are you working on something else? Are you, are you going to yeah, continue I, to be a well, writer? I, Sure. I blog at the powerofhumans.com on all sorts of issues. Uh, there's one on this particular issue called A Hug for the Brave Ones. It's about pediatric cancer and CureFest out in Washington, D.C. and my experience there in the U.S. Senate. And uh, I've written a number of blogs about veterans issues as well. Uh, and then I've written a few books that have just been used internally. So, for example, my dad's uh, my dad had a group land invasion operation Navy. I did a history of their uh, group. Very enjoyable. Spoke at their uh, reunion. Um, I've done one of my favorite ones is for my kids called Father's Day. And I just wanted to capture, you know, all the, the beauty uh, and joy of being a father and uh, wrote a little novel for them. Um, so I continue to write. I was involved in the um, had a small role to play in the writing of the book Honor Flight, which is an awesome uh, coffee table book, and with mostly pictures, but some writing involved in that as well. So I continue to write. I think I think everybody. It's like everybody should play an instrument. I say that being somebody who doesn't play one at all or <laughs> not well, uh, but I think it's good for your brain. It's a little late for me, but I still try once in a while. But I also think everybody should write. If nothing else, uh, everybody should keep a journal. I think it's very good for the soul. Yeah, great advice there. Um, you you talk about your blog. You talked about uh, some of the things that you've done, the books you've read. How, as writers, as storytellers, uh, how are we supposed to get our stories out there today and get them in front of people? What What do you suggest to writers? Uh, tireless energy and effort. Mm-hmm. So when people say, "Should I do this or this or this?" I say, "Yes, all of the above." So old media, new media. Uh, I don't know if you, I think you knew this, but uh, many years ago, I ran for mayor in our hometown. I I was fortunate enough to win, but my campaign um, advisor at the time said, you shouldn't be able to drive down a street in this community without seeing yard sign that say Dean for mayor, right? I mean, it should be everywhere. And that's how we approached Honor Flight uh, when we were trying to get the word out with Honor Flight. Uh, from billboards to TV to radio to free media to purchase media to social media. And I think there's, I think as authors, uh, we owe it to our story uh, and to our potential readers to to do all of the above. Yeah, absolutely. And to keep testing it, right? Figure out what works and bear down on that and, you know, just keep, just keep moving forward. I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, different authors, different listeners will have different motivations. Uh, for, for me, I, you know, I don't know that the next person to hear this or the next person I talk to at Alliance Club or through social media won't connect me to somebody who will cure childhood cancer. So I wake up every single day, um, you know, trying to just advance that position a little bit. 
and see who I can talk to and see who I might meet and who they might know. And uh, the universe has a wonderful way of aligning, I think, to help people who are on a mission to try to do the right thing. Amen to that. Amen to that, Joe. Um, So as a guy who has been in a documentary, who has been in the U.S. Senate, who's been a mayor, who can write a check for $10,000 to help help cure childhood cancer, I see you as a guy, as a person who has made it. Uh, Do you consider yourself as someone who's made it so far? Um, no, I consider myself very blessed. <laughs> and as, as a Christian, there's one other question I've come upon that I told you the first one, which is, um, you know, uh, what breaks your heart? Uh, the question for me that is, as I said, as a Christian is what do I do with all this unconditional love? I mean, what, what choice do I have and how can I, how can I, uh, go out into the world and be a little bit of light and try to help people? And I mean that as humbly as I possibly can. But clearly, I, that's a work in progress that that never ends. Um, I don't know what having made it means. I mean, um, having made it for me means right now in in the near term is a cure for childhood cancer. But having made it for me personally is is uh, and again, I'm not being falsely humble. You and I have hung out with people who will humble you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Veterans and and for me, kids with cancer. Um, but it, this has nothing to do with me making it. Zero. Yeah. yeah. And I consider that an absolute privilege, you know, to just be, hopefully, hopefully be a part of the solution in great, a world uh, that is desperate for solutions, right? Yeah, absolutely. Great, great outlook. I love that. Um, what do you think is your favorite way to tell a story? What kind of platform? Well, that's a, uh, you're, you're full of good questions, Dan. That's, uh, <laughs> So I'm one of these uh, uh, introverts that looks on the outside like an extrovert. <laughs> and, um, and so um, one, of, one of my favorite ways to tell a story is one-on-one, you know? I mean, I'm the guy at a, at a party of 200 people in the corner talking to somebody about their life or their next mission or their, you know, their dreams and hopes because I'm, just, I'm really uh, intrigued by, by stories. And uh, I love to tell stories one on one. And maybe you're, maybe uh, you're onto something here. Maybe you know, in terms of maybe everybody needs to feel when they're reading your story that you're talking to them, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I like yeah one one on one. That's a that's one that I hadn't necessarily thought of. You know, when I think of storytelling platforms, I think of you know writers or speakers in front of thousands or maybe video. But yeah. but that one on one storytelling is so powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Or like, you know, as we, as we talked about with the first presentation of honor flight is the people who came up to me and said, that's my story, <laughs> you know, and I was telling my, I was telling my great uncle's story who was shot down over Italy or my dad's story or, you know, but they're feeling like it's, a, it's that common humanity. They're feeling like they can relate to that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, great stuff, Joe. Wonderful conversation. I've got one more for you. This is your, okay. your Barbara Walters moment. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. But, um, if you only had the ability to tell one last story and then you were done being a storyteller, what would that one last story look like for you? Uh, it would be a it would be a story about a journey of faith and uh, my love for my wife and my four kids. I think that's a relatively easy one. That's a story <laughs> I would love to tell. Yeah, maybe easy but but impactful. I mean, just knowing you and and, and your wife and what you guys have done, and I, I haven't met your kids, but I got to believe uh, the story of that and your faith would 
change lives as it already has. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, and I'm not sure it's an easy story to tell, but it's an easy answer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. It's a big topic, big topic. But if you ask me what's the one thing I would, you know, I would love to tell, I guess it would be that. Mm-hmm. So Joe, uh, great conversation, man. I love the idea that you're doing this. Uh, I enjoyed uh, my dog named Hope. Where can people find you in order to hear more about your story or connect with you in some way? What's the best way to find you? Okay. Uh, they can find me at Dean, D-E-A-N, 261 at att.net. They can find me through the website, mydognamedhope.com. And they can get the book there. If they want a person, if they want me to personalize a copy of the book, be happy to do that. If they want me to sign it, Lauren and I can do that. And if they go through the website to do that, if they just want to expedite a copy to themselves, they can go to Amazon and grab a copy there. And again, the proceeds go to the MAC Fund. So far, since its inception, the MAC Fund has raised $62 million uh, for childhood cancer uh, and related blood disorders research. The cure rates have gone from 20 to over 80%. And then, of course, Designing Dreams does the healing spaces. That's where the rest of the proceeds uh, go. But that's how they find us. $62 million? Wow. $62 million the MAC Fund has done. Isn't that amazing? Wow. So yeah, I was, I was yeah. stumbled. Yeah. So, so you were saying, so, sorry, I, that, that just, that caught me like, wow, that's incredible. What a great fund that is. Um, but yeah, you were yeah. talking about Facebook. You can find you on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook, Joe Dean in Port Washington. They can find us on Facebook, my dog named hope.com. They can find us on Twitter <laughs> and, uh, they can, in today's world, they could probably call my cell phone. We, we won't give that out, but my dog named hope.com perfect place to start. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Excellent, Joe. Well, thank you so much for being on the storytellers network today and telling your story, man. Dan, you're great. Thank you for the opportunity. And it's a pleasure to talk with your listeners as well. Thank you. Thank you so much to our guest, children's book author, Joe Dean. Be sure to visit Joe online at mydognamedhope.com, which you can find that link in our show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode with Joe, please consider sharing it all over the place. Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, email, text it. Anywhere you can share with other storytellers is always helpful. We appreciate it. And also, we appreciate reviews. So consider leaving us a review on iTunes and help us reach more storytellers. A big, big thank you to our partners at Casterly and Podcast Pilot. We appreciate you so much. Thanks for making the world of podcasts a better place. Jamie J and Sarah Parrish and the rest of the team over there, terrific humans, and you will be better off knowing them. Because without their support, the Storytellers Network would be just a dream. Hey, until next time, here's to telling our stories and having stories to tell. Cheers. Cheers.